Our scripture passage today comes from John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. So the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son that was born blind, but, now he, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, for he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Well, as we continue in our sermon series through the Gospel of John, of course, we are looking a bit different today, but one of the things that we can continue to do as a church to have some normalcy in our lives is to continue on in the reading and the preaching and the worship of God as best as we can. And that's what we are seeking to do today. And as we come to this passage, I believe it is providential uh, that God has uh, brought about the timing of all of this stuff for us in our church and the things in His Word that are helpful to us, in particular, the idea of circumstance. Uh, as we look at our passage today, the big idea I want us to take away is that God is at work through all circumstances. God is at work through all circumstances, good, bad, neutral, ordinary, extraordinary, 
Whatever the circumstance is, we do believe and confess that God is sovereign and involved. And yet, as people with limited knowledge, people who don't understand everything, we often misunderstand how God is at work and why the things are happening the way they are. As we see Jesus leaving the temple, if you remember where we were last week, Jesus was in the temple for the Feast of Booths, and uh, the, the two images that were at play there were water and light. Water as in the water that God provided to the people as they wandered in the wilderness, and light as a remembrance of the glory cloud of God leading the people. Jesus uses these images to describe himself. He is the one who brings that river of water. He is the one that gives the Spirit, and he is the one who is the true light. As things got more and more tense in the temple, Jesus gets to the point where he is making such bold claims about his divinity that the people pick up stones to stone him to death. And we're told at the end of verse eight, or chapter 8, verse, he says that Jesus hid himself and he went out of the temple. So Jesus has just left this confrontation in the temple, and now we see him pass by a man who is blind. He's blind from birth. Now, we don't necessarily have these same circumstances in our culture, but if you were born with something like blindness or an infirmity, maybe a deformed foot or a hand, you would basically, your lot in life would to be a beggar. You would spend your days out on the street asking people to show you mercy, to give you food or maybe some money to go buy food. But you weren't able to provide for yourself. You couldn't work a normal job. There weren't uh, ADA-compliant workplaces and all of the good technology that we have now. And so this man has spent his entire life being a blind beggar. Now, there was an idea at this time that people who were born with such infirmities were receiving those types of deformities because of sin. That God brought about these diseases or, or these, you know, blindness or, or malformed limbs because of the sin of their parents or maybe their grandparents or because they're from the scandalous family or, or perhaps they're even their own sin has brought this about. They understood how God was sovereign over all circumstances, but they had a very narrow view of what that looked like, how God was at work and why things were the way that they were. And that's what we see here in verse 2. They say to Jesus, was it because this man sinned or his parents sinned that he was born blind? They want to understand a little bit more. They don't understand why this man has to spend his life doing this. So, hey, Jesus seems to know a lot, and uh, let's ask him. And so Jesus corrects their misunderstanding. He says, not because this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It's an interesting uh, phrase here that Jesus brings us to, and it's really the main point I want us to come back to and focus on, verses 3 and verses 4. 
He says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus goes on to make mud. He takes some dirt and spits on it and, and just kind of makes you know a little uh, exfoliating scrub, if you will, and puts it on the man's eyes and tells him to go and to wash in the pool of Siloam. Carrying forward maybe that imagery of water from the Feast of Booths. And the man is restored. He's healed. His eyes are opened. His blindness has now become sight. The the disciples didn't understand the particulars of the circumstance, how God was at work, why this had happened to this man. And Jesus is teaching them something new. The neighbors and those who have seen this man for many years begging, perhaps even the people who have supported him in one way or another, are also confused at what has happened. Some of them say, yeah, this is him, and others say, no, it's somebody that looks like him. And the guy is just standing there saying, look, it is me. I am the man that you're talking about. There is no confusion here. And yet the, the reality that circumstances could change so significantly, so quickly, the people could not believe what they were seeing. He tells them in that it was Jesus who anointed his eyes. But he doesn't know where Jesus went. So this man finds himself, they, they bring him to the, to the temple, which actually wouldn't have been an, an odd thing to do. Now, if you were an unclean person, if you had a disease or something that prohibited you from coming to the temple, when you got better, you were supposed to go to the priest, go to the temple and to be examined so that you could be uh, restored to temple worship. But they don't necessarily just go to the priest, they actually go to the Pharisees and um, and there's this interrogation. The Pharisees, they want to understand what happened, how did it happen, who did it, and why. They don't have a clear understanding of God's work either. And so, he tells them the story. It was the Jesus who put this on my eyes. He, he made mud and put it on my eyes, and I went and washed. And they are outraged because of why? Because Jesus has healed a man on the Sabbath again. Remember, all of the controversy really started to come to a head when Jesus healed a lame man who was sitting by the pool waiting to be healed. And it was on the Sabbath. He told him to take up his bed and walk. And Jesus has spent the past couple chapters defending his actions on the Sabbath. That indeed making a person whole on the Sabbath is not only permissible, but it is good. It is the work of God on the Sabbath, making man whole to be celebrated. And so Jesus continues to operate in this way, and it continues to enrage the Pharisees. And they call him a sinner. We know he's not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others, there's this division that's always happening. If he's a sinner, if this is actually sin, how could he do these things? They ask the man what he thinks about this, and he says, he's a prophet. How can anybody do such works if he's not sent from God like a prophet? So the Jews, they're like the neighbors. They can't believe that this has actually happened. 
something else must be going on, so they bring in this guy's parents. And they ask the parents, is this your son who you claim was born blind and now he sees? How is this possible? And they say, yeah, he is our son and we know he was born blind, but we don't know how or why and who gave him the ability to see. You should just ask him because he's old enough to speak for himself. And the reason they're deflecting to their son to speak for themselves is because they're terrified of the religious leaders. It's become known that if you align yourself with Jesus, you are not allowed in the temple. Therefore, the parents say, he is of age, ask him. The misunderstanding at the front end with the disciples, not understanding why somebody is in this circumstance, the the misunderstanding of seeing this healing by the neighbors, and the misunderstanding of the Jews continuing to harden themselves against Christ are all symptoms of the same problem. God is at work in all circumstances, but we get it wrong. When we want to understand how and why, We all respond to circumstances differently. We all have a preconceived idea of what is possible and what is not, what God is doing and what He is not doing. And I want us to continue to go back to this verse 3 and verse 4 as we think about why this matters for us. This man who was born blind, who has spent his whole life begging... Think about it in a different way. Imagine if this man was not healed. Imagine if he would have to go on the rest of his life living a beggarly existence. Or perhaps even though he was healed, he could even have this thought. Why would God do this to me? Why would God allow this to happen? Why did Jesus have to wait you know, 30, 40 years to come and to heal this man? Is it really fair that he had to live this time of suffering in order for this work to come about? Perhaps the other scenario where there is no real deliverance, no real healing. The people that are born blind at this time who weren't healed, the people who were left to be beggars. How is God at work there? Why is there a lot that lot? The answer is the same regardless of the circumstance, and that is this, that the works of God might be displayed. That the works of God might be displayed. There is an a, a evangelist-type man that you may have seen. Uh, he's a very tremendous ministry. Uh, it's called Life without limbs. Life without limbs because the man who travels the country speaking and and doing evangelistic events and talking to huge crowds, he is a man with no arms and with no legs. He is a man with no arms and no legs. And indeed, you could respond to that type of life with a callous heart, with a, a sense of, despair, not knowing what and why God would allow that to happen. And yet this man spends his entire life proclaiming the goodness of God despite his infirmity. It is extraordinary. 
to listen to. Because we have such good things, our lots seem to be so much better, and yet this guy has such a great perspective. And Jesus is trying to show us a different perspective of the way in which God is at work in all circumstances. The other thing we are told right after that verse is this, that we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is including his disciples in this collective we. No longer is it just Jesus doing the works of the Father. He says, we must do the works of him who sent me. There is a limit to the time in which people are going to be able to see Jesus. There is a day in which this will all end. The the window of opportunity is beginning to close as the sun is setting on the horizon. Indeed, Jesus came to do particular works and he accomplished all of those things perfectly. And now he has died and risen from the dead and ascended to God's right hand. And yet his spirit is still here with us. And we are still working through those works that the Father has. We live in that already not yet dynamic, and yet this truth is still remains. There is an end to the day where our circumstances will come to a head, where we will understand what has happened and why, but for now we need to be doing the work. As I'm thinking about these circumstances that this man was in, and I think about this terrible circumstance that we find ourselves in now, in our city, in our country, around the world, quarantining ourselves to our homes, into our offices, having to do things in different ways. We ask the same questions. Why has this come about? How is God at work in the midst of it? There are arguably two very polar camps that might try to give you an answer from a Christian perspective, and and one might say, well, you know, God is mad at all of the sin in the world, and so he is bringing about judgment. That's one way to try to interpret how God is at work and why things are happening the way they are. And then there's the other side that tries to distance God from it, and it says that, well, no, God would never bring about anything that's bad or, or, or hurtful or painful. Uh, and this is actually from, from the devil. God just wants us to be healthy, and he wants us to be prosperous, and so uh, we need to reject this. Now, indeed, Jesus is the one who enters into this circumstance with this man and alleviates it. He is the one that brings healing. He is the one that brings sight to the blind. He's the one that brings life to the dead. And so there's some truth in the idea that God is not trying to bring about evil. God is not the author of evil. And yet, to presume that we have it all figured out is to fall into the same error as the disciples did. When we are confronted with a circumstance, we must ask these same questions. But the answer remains the same here, no matter what the outcome might be. And that is this that the works of God might be displayed in them. 
in him. The works of this, the works of God are displayed in this man. They're the they are on display through all circumstances, through individual people, through our collective church. The works of God are on display through all circumstances. We may not understand it fully, but we ought to respond in a way that confesses that God is at work displaying his glory, bringing about the things he has promised to bring about. And as we look to difficult circumstances like this, we ought to be asking ourselves those types of questions. What is God doing? What is he calling us to How ought we to reflect on ourselves? Where is he doing a work in our lives and in our hearts? And when we see this verse that talks about how the day is coming to an end and these works must happen, it might stir in us a sense of urgency. As we see our society kind of having to do this self-reflection, having all of the things that we took for granted uh, beginning to fall away, it ought to cause us to be sober-minded and reverent, to turn to God and say, we don't understand, Lord, what are you doing? Help us in our weakness. It ought to stir in us a sense of urgency to do the things we know we ought to have already been doing. Think of a person who is diagnosed with a terminal illness. You only have these, you know, three months left to live. Those people who get those diagnoses, they change everything about their life because the sense of urgency has been heightened so much. The things that used to consume them, success, luxury, recreation, Those all fall away and they begin to pursue the things that matter most to them. They want to be in proximity to those whom they love. They want to be reconciled to people maybe they have wronged in the past. They want to do the things that matter most before they run out of time. And that is what this passage is calling us to be reminded of. Despite our circumstances now, whether good or bad... God is calling us to do the things, to have the sense of urgency for the things that matter most. Indeed, there's going to be a limited understanding that we all have. There's a limited understanding of many things. But we all understand that this is about people coming to Christ. The blind man here is indeed a historical figure who is healed by Jesus. But it is a type that is far greaterly applied to the world, to those here who are seeing Jesus, who are seeing what is happening, and they are blind to the work of God. They are blind to what is truly happening. It's the condition of many of us. Maybe we can see a little bit. We have sunglasses on, not fully blind. And maybe we are surrounded by our loved ones and those in our work and in our neighborhood who are fully blind to what God is doing. And yet Jesus is the one who is going to take the blinders off, who is going to give light to the darkness. That is our response when we don't have full understanding, to go to the one who can take away the blindness, to come to Christ, to confess him even if it costs us something. 
What a horrific story of these parents who've seen their son be healed by Jesus and they're afraid to confess Christ because they don't want to be put out of the temple. Oh, that they would have the urgency that they would see Jesus for who he is. He has been given sight, and yet his parents have become blind. May our circumstance today and in the days to come cause us to look to Jesus. May he give us insight into the way in which God is at work and the way in which we are participating in God's work. May it cause us to do the things that matter most to put aside the superficiality that we often have and instead to come in reverence and awe, in humility and in weakness. And may we trust in Christ, the one who can bring healing to all those things, who does the things for us we can't do for ourselves. Perhaps most pointedly, as we think about these passages and the, and the places and the people in our lives, it reminds us of the greatest work that Christ has done. As people are coming into contact with uncertainty and, in fact, the mortality of mankind, indeed, we see the reality of death. The ultimate end of the day when we will no longer have the opportunity to stop and to ask questions because it will be settled. May we point people to Christ. May we point ourselves to him as our hope. As we face death, may we look to his death and his life. May we ask ourselves, what are the sins in our lives that have brought about calamity? May we turn from our sins and trust in Christ who took upon himself our sins. He is our only hope. He is the light in the midst of our darkness. He is the one who brings healing. He is the prophet, priest, and king. May we trust in him today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you that Christ brings light to the darkness, that you are at work in all circumstances. Help us to see with true eyes and ears what you are doing. Help us to trust in you when things don't necessarily go the way we had hoped or expected. Help us to come to you in our anxieties that we might find true rest. Amen.